see everyone this morning. It is certainly one of those mornings when you thank the Lord for what He has done. And I hope you do that every morning. Uh, certainly He has blessed us and has provided with us, for us, everything that we could possibly need while we're here for a little while on this earth. And so uh, it's a blessing to know that we can uh, thank our Lord and just rely on Him. And to be with family. Thank you for being here this morning. Appreciate your, your presence here today. And if you are a guest today and you have come in and are part of our assembly, we just want you to know that you are welcome. And any time that you have a chance, make sure you come back and see us. We're just glad that you're here and a part of our assembly. Uh, if you remember last week, we started talking about Solomon. You guys remember that? And we had a, a, a the, the, the whole thing was about Solomon's request. Do you remember what Solomon asked for? Wisdom. He asked for wisdom, right? Very good. And Solomon was uh, uh, he was a very powerful uh, uh, figure, in, especially in uh, his time. Uh, Solomon had so much. It was amazing the things that uh, Solomon acquired and had. And, and his wisdom was amazing also. Of course, this was a God-given wisdom. And if you remember from last week, when Solomon did ask for wisdom, God said, yes, I'm going to give you that, and I appreciate you asking for that. As a matter of fact, I'm not only going to give you what you've asked for, I'm going to give you a bunch of other stuff also. And he gave him wisdom, but he also gave him wealth, and he gave him uh, 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 popularity, and he gave, gave him this, this uh, in other words, he became such a person that there has never been anyone like him, and there probably never will be anyone like him. Solomon was a very special, special man. Okay, now I say all that because I want to read with you from 1 Kings chapter 11, and we're going to start in verse 1. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. Now the reason he mentioned Pharaoh's daughter is because he'd already talked about him marrying Pharaoh's daughter, and so that's why that's worded like that. Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidians, and Hittites, they were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them, because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. First of all, I want you to notice that last part because that's the thing that we're talking about today. If you remember last week when we talked about the powerful and wonderful things that Solomon did and his, his asking to have this wisdom and how he was just so humble before his Lord and the things that he did that made him uh, such a special guy. And we had a lesson about that, if you remember. And then this week, we read here in chapter 11 that, that if you look at that last part, he was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. Couple of points. First thing I want you to remember is, if you, especially if you read through First Kings and it's about Solomon, 
you will notice many, many times how it's mentioned that Solomon was doing things like his father. And as a matter of fact, all the blessings, even what we read about last week in chapter 4, that happened because of David. And Solomon knew it. He realized that. This is all about what my dad did. He was a very special man, and he followed the Lord, and he walked in the Lord's way, and, and because he did that, now I'm, I'm sitting on the throne because of what my dad did. And I want to stop there for a second because I want you to remember who David was for a second. Was David the perfect guy, never did anything wrong? No, it wasn't about being perfect, which is a great lesson for us, isn't it? We don't have to be perfect. It's not about being perfect, but we do know that according to God's word, that David was a man after God's own heart, that David wanted and sought to serve his God every day. It didn't mean that he did it and he was perfect at it. Matter of fact, he messed up a lot. If you remember, we even talked about Solomon's mom last week. Remember that? I mean, it was all about committing adultery, have this, this child that he... That, pregnant with before they were married and 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 and, and uh, uh, last week I got ahead of myself and did, that that child actually died if you remember I mean it was a terrible tragic situation in David's life and yet it's through that that Solomon comes and as he looked at daddy said oh your dad was he was following the Lord and he was doing what God said and now I'm on the throne because of what dad did and yet if you read this you'll notice that his heart all right his heart was not like the heart of his father, David. Something happened. Now, I want to talk about that because I, it's interesting that if you read up into this point, you're reading all of these, and if you've looked at it this week, which I hope you have, looking at the story of Solomon, this is, uh, there's nothing like Solomon, all right? He was absolutely amazing. He wrote songs. He was so wise, people traveled from all over, everywhere, just to sit down and listen to him talk a little bit. Many of the pro uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, a lot of things that are written in those were written by him. He had such amazing, wise sayings, and he knew how to handle things. He was a businessman out of this world. Everything he did worked out great. He, he established uh, trade routes with, with with huge ships, and he would would send out ships, and they would bring back all kinds of stuff. And uh, just an amazing man. But not only that, he knew about science and botany, and, and you can read it for yourself. I mean, it's all talked about how that this great man, this Solomon, was unbelievable. And then, where'd that come from? Reading all these great things about him, and all of a sudden we read there in chapter eleven, right? Oh, all this good stuff, and now chapter chapter 11, I, yeah, I was putting this down, and when I wrote chapter 11, I thought, yeah, he's bankrupt, all right. You guys' brains ever work like that? I hope they don't work like mine does. Chapter 11, the guy's bankrupt. What happened to him, all right? Where did it come from? What happened? Well, of course, it mentions that he had a thousand wives. I don't know about, no, Okay. I thought of so many illustrations and things I was going to say with a thousand wives, and now that I'm here, I'm going to say none. <laughs> but I will tell you what one of my brothers said a while ago. He said, if a nagging wife is like a constant dripping, a thousand of them must have been a flood, right? <laughs> Something like that, right? 
here's the deal, all right? A thousand wives, women. Okay, now it also said that he, and, and you might be thinking right now, wow, this guy must really be a lustful guy, you know, of all these people, women, he's just chasing them. And for at least 300 of those were mentioned as concubines, maybe it was lust. But I want you to ask the question, why did he do that, all right? It said he had 700 wives of royal birth. Now, 300 of them, okay, they were concubine type, okay, that, that was a different deal. But 700 of them were from noble birth. And that brings me to the first point of how you can bring a good man down. And maybe the first thing he needs to do is just, well, he needs to not believe in God's promises. You see, maybe it's an issue of trust here. Because when Solomon married 700 wives of noble birth, does he even know their name? Right? I mean, we've, we've got 200 people here on a Sunday morning, and if I meet you somewhere, unless you've been coming quite a while, I might say, now, what was your name again? I can't remember. A thousand of them? You know he didn't know them all. You know, it's impossible. But he did know where a lot of them came from. Here's the deal. Could it be that Solomon's issue was he didn't trust in what God said enough that he would say, I know God is going to take care of me. So therefore, he wanted... To make sure, and the reason you wouldn't marry 700 wives, right, is because he didn't trust God enough to fully rely on him. I know they won't, and think about it. If I marry Pharaoh's daughter, and she's living there, and which, by the way, Pharaoh's daughter was living there. He built her a big deal, and she was living there with him, okay? How, I mean, just think about it for a second. Is Pharaoh going to, with his army, going to come and attack my country? No. Might hurt little sissy, right? Yeah. Mary, and that's what happens over and over. And that was a common thing, all right? A king of a country would marry a, a daughter or a princess, or this was, was a noble birth, in order to protect himself or his, his country, all right? And here's what's happening. Pharaoh uh, gives his daughter, uh, and you can read several of the kings and people, they all give their daughter noble birth. These are high, important people that Solomon marries in order to protect himself. Now, we've just discovered that the wives of Solomon led him astray. and He started worshiping other gods because, because he was marrying out of those areas that they were told not to marry from, and they led him astray. First thing is, Solomon had an issue with trusting God. Wait a minute. I know God's going to protect me and my people. He always has and always will. But he didn't think that way. Matter of fact, I wonder about us today. Do we fully trust God? Now, for a lot of things, I could say, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I fully trust God. What about with your relationships? I find it very interesting that especially kids, young people, they grow up in the Lord and they, they want to be God's child. And yet, when it comes to making a decision about who they will marry, it's almost like they're saying to God, you know, God, I appreciate everything, but I don't know if you know how to handle this thing. I, I mean, I might, I might have to figure this thing out on my own. It, isn't that interesting that, that we would somehow in our mind make this distinction between, well, I trust you in a lot of things, but not quite maybe in this one. Or in money. People live for money. 
That's all they think about is having, is working, and got to have, and got to provide for retirement, and et cetera, et cetera. It's all about love of money. Now, when that happens, you know what I'm doing? I'm saying, God, I don't trust that you'll take care of me when I get older. Now, I'm not saying that God won't, that you shouldn't work. As a matter of fact, if you've heard me speak, you know what I'm saying. Opposite of that. If a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. So I know he should work. I'm just saying that can't be the center of your life. And if it happens, aren't you just saying, God, I just don't trust that you'll take care of me. Or maybe it's with, and tragically, forgiveness. Can you not do that? Or maybe it's with something that bad that happens to you. Oh, it's a tragedy that happens in your life. And all of a sudden you go from trusting in God and praying to Him and putting your life. And then it changes from that to, God, you can't handle this thing. Matter of fact, I, I just, I don't know. Evidently, this is, uh, you, you've done a bad thing. Sometimes they'll say. God, why did you let this happen to me? How could you, why didn't you? Questioning God. Can we just say, God, I trust you. I trust you. I don't know you're going to take care of this. Well, one of the things that happened to Solomon was he just didn't trust that God would do what he said. As a matter of fact, I guess that brings me to the next point, and that's this. Deuteronomy chapter 17. This is what God says to those who will be kings over his people. The children of Israel, he says this, The king, moreover, must not acquire a great number of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them for the, way, for the Lord has told him you're not going back that way. He must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. Now, these are the commands that God gave to the kings of Israel. Do you see anything in there that Solomon might fall into? Anything? Look at what happens here. I mean, I don't know if you guys read, um, I, I assume that you've read it in the past, but look at what he did. Solomon collected chariots and horses, 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses. That's a lot of horses. And he built stables all over the place just to put his horses in. Now, you remember what we just read over in Deuteronomy. It's God's commands, right? Don't do this. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300. You think he had many wives? Okay, how about this one? Solomon received 25 tons of gold in tribute annually. That's 25 tons. You know how many trillions of dollars that's worth? Right? 25. And that's annually. There has been no one that was as rich as Solomon was. And he had all of these things, and he kept getting all these things, and he was accumulating and accumulating and unbelievable. I found this quote I thought you might uh, uh, find interesting. It says, how, when you reject God's command, no matter how small, that one area becomes, or that area becomes the area through which the enemy injects poison into your life. Now, you may be thinking right now, well, wait a minute. Didn't God bless him with all those? He said he was going to be rich. He said he was going to have prestige and power and, and I mean, because of his, his request for wisdom. So, you know, isn't he just getting what God gave him? And I don't. Here's the thing, guys. I know God would never ask me not to do something and then make me take it. So I understand from that that God, yes, God blesses him, 
And you might be thinking, well, that's kind of a small thing. I'm going, come on. I mean, he just, just so he had too many wives. Here's the issue that I found in my life. If I do anything that God says for me not to do, and I keep that little, it, for me, at least in my mind, that little thing, okay, that I have in my life that I know shouldn't be that way, it seems like it is that area in which Satan will continue to pound and he'll continue to work and he'll continue to consume until that little thing, if I don't watch it, that little thing will become everything. Sin is that strong, that powerful, and you and I have to say, no, no, no. If God says no, I'm going to take his word for it because I trust him and because I want to follow his way. Two things that Solomon did not do, and it was his downfall, led him to destruction. Now, I got another thing to say, and you maybe think I'm kind of reaching, but I don't think, at least in my mind, I didn't think I was. But when I talk about, uh, uh, let's see if I can get it to go. Uh, there, there it is, All right. Your desire grows inside you until it results in sin, and then the sin grows bigger and bigger and finally ends in death. Now, this is from the uh, ERV. I think that's, uh, I don't know, look it up for yourself. I can't remember which version it was. Huh? English Revised. English Revised Version. Okay. But I found that interesting. Of course, you guys might, there's some different wording there that you might recognize this particular verse from. But it's, I thought that it was interesting the way that this particular version put it. Okay. Sin is one of those things that if you let it in, no matter how small it is, it grows. And it grows. Easy to read. Okay, easy to read. Easy to read version. All right. Anything else? Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's good. Your desire, whatever, and it doesn't matter what it is, whatever sinful thing you let into your life, it grows and it grows. It results in sin, and that sin just grows and it grows until it becomes and it leads to death. Now, of course, the reason I bring that up is because I like to ask all, we're God's children. We're trying to live for Him. Why are you keeping that little sin in your life? Why do we do that? Are we God's child or not? Do we want to be 100% committed to Him or not? Do we want to give Him heart, soul, mind, and strength? If we do, then let's do it. If we're not going to do it, then let's forget it and go our way. But if we are, let's say, no. I'm not going to keep those things in my life. I'm not going to let that little sin stay there. I'm going to get rid of that. It does grow, and it will finally end in death. Last point that I want to make is this. Solomon had a problem. He was brought down by the friends that he chose. In particularly, in Solomon's case, it was his what? Well, I guess they were his friends. Would you, I mean, I assume they were friends. I mean, you know, I've seen some people I kind of wondered about, you know. But in this particular case, he was brought down by the people he surrounded himself with, okay? His thousand women hanging around all the time, okay? Now, of course, you and I, when we read this, we understand that Solomon was brought down because he started worshiping. And matter of fact, if you've read in 1 Kings, you find that Solomon actually would build temples to some of these gods for his wives. And he would even participate in it sometime, in, in, their, in their sacrifices or worship or whatever to, to these other gods. So, it was, I mean, it was, it was a legitimate deal that, that Solomon had been led astray by these people. But what I notice is, is that God told him, 
Don't do it. Don't marry the people from these lands because they have other gods and they will lead you astray. And you will end up worshiping their gods instead of just worshiping me. And that's exactly what happened to him. But you know, Saul, the wisest man that ever lived couldn't see that. Evidently, he couldn't see that. You would have thought he was so wise he would look into his life and say, no, no, if I hang around and I keep... Uh, being around these women and keep, you know, uh, you know, participating in this stuff, they're going to leave me astray. You'd think he could figure that out. Do you, wouldn't you think it? I'm being a little sarcastic. Because so much of my life, what I find is I find myself hanging around, doing things that I, you would think if I had any wisdom at all, I would say, what am I doing? I can't do that. I can't be here. I can't be a part of this. Instead, what happens is we get caught up in it, and so much of the time, and let me just say this real quick, because I think it's a valid point, so much of the time it's because of the people we choose to be around. In Solomon's case, it was. It was the people he chose to be around. Matter of fact, it says about that he, the Solomon held fast to, his, to them in love, and his wife led him astray. Also, his, his wife turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God. People we hang around, they change things. It's different because of how, what they do and, and, and what they say and who they are. Now, I find it interesting that Solomon, in a way, and, and I thought about it, and, I, and I've decided, lest the elders tell me no, that I'm going to have another lesson on Solomon next week. All right? Because even though Solomon really messes this thing up and his heart is torn away and he ends up just oh, following other gods, okay, because it, it, he does that, but toward the end of his life especially, there are some things that happen to Solomon as he looks at his life, as he looks at all the things that he has acquired, and there's some very wise things that he came to the conclusion of. And so I'm going to have another lesson because, you know, this is how you bring a good man down, but as Alabama says, you can't keep a good man down, right? So I want to show you some things that Solomon does and Solomon says next week. Okay, and, and I'm going to do that. Solomon had many things that he said were so powerful. But some of the things that I noticed Solomon said, he didn't take his own advice. One of those is, is, is this, if I, if I get The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. The righteous choose their friends very carefully. Don't you wish, parents, that you could get your children to live by this verse? Choose your friends so carefully. And not just kids, by the way. Adults also. I have seen marriages destroyed because of a husband or a wife that becomes friends with a person that leads them down a path where their thinking is not godly. I've seen it happen. Personally. Anybody else? families destroyed because of thinking of someone who becomes a friend. And that friend destroys them. Right? Now, I say that not to scare you, but just to say, shouldn't we choose our friends carefully? The more I think about something is the more I live for that thing. Do you guys agree with that? 
Whatever it may be. I mean, I could say, oh, you know, I, I, I love to go fishing. Well, if I just think about fishing all the time, then I'm going to find myself buying boats and buying fishing lures, and I'm going to find myself going fishing all the time. Okay, if that's what I think about, that's what I'm going to do. And I've noticed that if I think about fishing, guess who I hang around? Fishermen, right? Makes sense, right? And the more I hang around the fishermen, the more I think about the fishing rod, et cetera, et cetera. You see how that goes, right? Now, you can plug anything here that you want. Whatever it is that you've got going on in your life, I'm sure that whatever interest you have, you found people that have the same interest. We do that. And for most part, maybe it's, it's, it's harmless. Maybe, maybe there's no, no, no troubles there. But when it comes to hanging around people who are not committed to their Lord, who will say and do and, and provide you with thoughts that are totally ungodly, then what I'm saying is we can't just let our minds dwell on that. We can't be around that all the time and let, our, let it in, because evidently it will seep in sooner or later. If you surround yourself with a thousand of them, get ready. But if you surround yourself with just one that becomes a person that you are yoked with, you could have some issues, bad problems. That's one of the things Solomon said. He also said this, be friends with those who are wise and you will become wise. Choose fools to be your friend, and you're going to have some trouble. Amen. I could not, young people, if you're under the age of 18, just be, you may not think anything of me, but if you do, listen to this, okay? The most trouble, matter of fact, I would say the worst thing that I've ever done in my life, I did because of the friends I was hanging around. I just, just being honest with you. If, it, if I could change it, and if I could go back, if the only thing I changed was I didn't hang around with, well, I'm not going to tell you their name, with a certain, well, a couple of certain fellas, then I wouldn't have been in near the issues that I was. Just, that's all I'd have had to change is that. And I look back and say, well, things would have been, I would have, there's a lot of things that would have been different. I don't know if you can think like that or not if you're over the age of 18. But I'm just telling you this. Young people, it's so important to people you hang around with. Be careful. Don't let yourself be in a situation where, what am I going to do? If, if I don't do it, if I say that I shouldn't do it, then they're going to think I'm weird. Don't put yourself in that situation. Just don't go there. Now, I know you may be saying right now, well, even if they hang around with good Christian kids, that doesn't mean they're going to stay out of trouble. No, you're right. It doesn't mean that. As a matter of fact, if you're, you know, kind of like, you know, other parents were when they looked at Rick, well, just because I hang around with Rick sure don't mean they're going to be all right. Okay, I understand that, all right? My point is this. Give them the best chance you can. Young people, choose the best you can, okay? Try to set yourself up to succeed, Set your kids up to succeed. They can still fail. It's, I mean, it's, this still happens, but set them up with a chance to succeed. Some parents choose not to have their kids in Bible class. Just don't do it. Just don't make the effort to have them here learning about things that are really going to make a difference in their life. Why? Why not put them around the good people and the good stuff? Give them a chance. I mean, they may choose to reject it anyway, but at least give them a chance. If you never give them a chance, and, and what your priorities are are, are games, and playing, and sleep. What, what's your priorities? What are you putting above that? I'm just saying, let's give them a chance. Maybe they'll choose wise friends. Now, I say that because there's one more verse I want to look at, and that's this. 
do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Now, I know in my past, at least personally speaking, that I've heard this particular verse over in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 used in some very strange ways, okay? Now, if you look in this context in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, what you notice is, is he's talking about those who are worshiping idols, okay? And he's talking, you don't participate in that. You don't be yoked with that. You don't, you know. But he's also talking about somebody who is um, talking against God or will uh, say things that are against God. Same thing. Don't be yoked together. Now, I've heard this applied to marriage, and amen, it does, all right? But the idea is not that it's talking about just marriage. It's talking about any time you put yourself in a situation where you're yoked together. You're, you're, you're bosom buddies. You're, you're that kind of friends. Well, let's talk about it for a minute with marriage. Can we not? I, is there anybody, you guys that are married, Think about it for a second. Is there anybody on this earth that affects you and your day like your spouse does? Can you think of anybody else that has affected your life like your spouse does? Now, if you've only been married a week, okay, maybe you can say, eh, not really. Or even a month, you might say that. But if you've been married a year, you're already getting there. And if you've been married five years, you're saying no. There's no one that affects you like your spouse does. So wouldn't it make sense? That especially when it comes to those that we marry, that we will be so very careful about who we choose. Here's something I'd like you to take out of your vocabulary. You need to find someone to marry. No, you don't need to find someone to marry. I don't agree with that at all. Uh, you don't need to go out and find someone. Some people feel like, well, I'm just, I, what's wrong with me? I can't find, I'm, and when someone pays attention to them, they're like, oh, yeah. No, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. If you trust in God, and if you follow him, and if there is someone out there that God wants you to be with, that will work out. If it's not, then it won't. Don't worry about it. Trust in your God. That's why I'm going to look at it from this point on. No more, oh, I got to No, you don't have to find anybody, right? Now, you pray to your father. You've prayed that he leads you. But please, don't put yourself around someone, especially in a marriage situation that's going to destroy you and lead you in the wrong direction. Be so very careful who you marry. Now, I say those things because in Solomon's situation, he evidently was not. And they led him in a lot of different ways. And this is what God says to Solomon. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is your attitude, and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you, I will certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. All destroyed because of your decisions because of what you did, because your heart was not committed to me. Now, there's some other things in that context that go on, and it's all, again, pointed back to what David had done and how powerful he was, and there's some other things that he says there. But what I want you to see is about Solomon. Solomon, I'm going to take it all away because you didn't keep your heart dedicated to me. Interesting, isn't it? We know it, and yet sometimes we forget that our decisions determine our lives. Make godly ones. Let them lead you toward God. Your friends, trust in His Word. Always believe in His promises. 
Our Lord is coming back. Amen? Our Lord's coming back. So therefore, today and tomorrow and for the rest of our lives, we'll live for that day. We're just looking forward to when he comes back again. And whatever we do, we'll be in accordance to looking forward to that day. Let's decide today, no more living for us. It's all about our God. We're going to make sure that we put him first. Solomon made some bad decisions when it came to the women. And because of his decisions, he ended up in some tragic situations. All right? Now, I say those things, and I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you have some friends that are leading you in the wrong direction. Maybe you're chasing after money instead of God. Whatever it is. I'm just saying today, let's get rid of that. No more of that. Our lives here are like a vapor that appears for a little bit and then it's gone. Let's make sure we use every minute in dedication and service to our Lord. Christ calls you to come to Him. Give your life to Him. And this morning as we close up our time together, if you're thinking, man, I'm just not living for my Lord and I just went into, I don't know, there's some things that are happening that, that I should have never led in my life. Let's decide today we're going to give it to Christ. Now, while we're standing and singing in a minute, if you'd like to come before this group and say, family, I just there's some sinful stuff that I've led in my life and it's leading me away from my God and I don't want that to happen. We'll pray about it together. We'll work on it together. We'll try to get through it together. Maybe this morning that uh, there's just some things that you know you need to be talking to your father about. I encourage you, you can do that. Even while we're standing and singing, you can, you can do that. Just, just talk to your father about that. Or maybe this morning you decided, you know, I've lived for myself way too long. I'm going to give my life to Christ. Will you confess him as your Lord? Put him first. Be buried into Christ through baptism. Making sure that your life is dedicated and committed to him. If you look inside and you don't like who you are right now, make sure you do whatever you got to do to make it right with your Lord. Once you come, it's together we stand and sing this song.